Hello everybody, my name is Jed Shepard. I'm your host of What To Watch on Netflix. Uh, thanks very much for joining us every single week. Uh, we're doing really well in the iTunes charts at the moment. We're in there up about number one, number two, which is which is great. So uh, keep listening, subscribing, tell your friends. Um, this week I am joined by good friend Rob Jelly. Hello. Hello, mate. You're right. I'm super duper. Yourself? <laughs> I'm not too bad, thanks. I haven't seen you since you were on Smegheads. Wow. Which was... That was we, a while back. Was that over a year ago? Yeah. Wow, we've done like six series of, of, of Smegheads. The other podcast uh, I do. Um, one of them. Yeah. One of the many. <laughs> one of the many. And Rob, I know you from when we uh, both worked at Phoenix FM. Yeah, little local radio station. That's right, um, in Essex. Um, I left... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about why we left, just very briefly. Okay. Um, I mean, it, it, it's great they gave us the opportunity to be on radio. Um, but the people out there that may not know um, who are listening right now, who used to listen to us on Phoenix FM, um, and may not know why we suddenly left. Uh, I left the, about a year before you, or maybe even longer than that. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah about, about a year. Basically, I just thought there were too many adverts. Um, and I made it like because we. What do you think I work for the BBC? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh yeah, Rob works for the BBC now, so he's he's legit. He's not doing this community radio anymore. Um, but we, um, so like um, we used to get kind of like missives via email about um, adverts we should do in our show. And I turned up one week, and the number of adverts that we had to put into our show doubled. And I, we did we'd do a two-hour show, and the amount of adverts meant there would only be roughly about. 50 minutes of music if you, if you take put in all of the talking bits and I thought that wasn't great for a new music show so I made my voice very clear to the station manager um and uh he was a bit sniffy about it and then I and then I didn't turn up to a meeting and he I heard from other people that he was uh saying stuff about me on there so I said I quit a uh, big, long, massive email saying don't like, like the way the, the station's going don't like how it's run uh, I'm out of here um, smell you later. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> um, but I did actually, there was a lot, I, I loved my show. I loved all the guests I had on, some great bands on. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was an interesting time. Why did you, I don't actually know why you left. Is it something you can say? Yeah, well, it was, I, we, we reached the end of the, the point where I could do anything on the show anymore. It was, I was on breakfast for two and a bit years. Yeah. And it, it reached its, creative peak to be totally honest with you and it was time to move on and try something new and it's funny you know, for, you know, for me as well where i'm now what people might call big time i still have no <laughs> idea what i'm doing but there we are um you know for me it was always about trying to move from one pillar to the next so i used yeah. to do sort of like a one day a week community mm -hmm. radio show on the right on the coast in malden did you yeah, oh, yeah okay um before that was hospital radio and even student radio at uni nice so, so you've done so the whole kind of like gamut, yeah, oh you? i've done wow. i've gone from the very Without no disrespect, from the very bottoms, yeah. from the very beginning sort mm -hmm. of stages, all the way up to the BBC. Yeah, which, um, which is great. Um, so, so you just left. It was just a it was a ladder. It was a, it was a ladder, and it was always. And I've always, I've never made any qualms about that since yeah. the day I fell in love with radio, and that was <clears throat> ten years ago. Yeah, um, I can't believe it's that long. Uh, <laughs> I've always thought, right though, I need to get to the top. Yeah, wherever the top might be, I don't know. I don't know where the peak is. Mm -hmm. Not there yet. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but I was always like every step is about learning what I can do. Yeah. Uh, learning what's possible. Yeah. Uh, breaking the rules. Because you, you have to. Because I think you have to. And I, the we greatest did that quite radio, a lot at, at Phoenix. I. The greatest radio I've ever heard has been <laughs> against the grain. Yeah. Um, did you did you know there was a guy called um, 
Alex, I won't say his surname, who used to have a show before mine on, on Phoenix FM. Uh, and I used to have a late, late night, before I did the kind of afternoon show, I used to have a late night show when they were testing me out. Um, and uh, our colleague Alex, he got fired because of one of the things he did on my show. Did you know about this? No. So, like, his show was before mine, and, yeah. I, and my show was quite freeform, and I used to t- half the show was, like, brand new music. The other half, I used to try and make about, like, mysterious, supernatural stuff. I used to have just, just weird guests on and stuff. Um, and then I was like, um, I said to Alex, uh, who had just had his show, Alex, do me a favour and do a live broadcast from the, um, the leisure centre next door. And right. he's like, but it's closed. Um, and I was like, yeah, but like, there's the fire exit leads into it. Um, and he said, but the lights are off. Did you know that's probably trespassing? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> See, I said to him, go in. I've heard rumours that there's a ghost there. I want you to go in and report if there's any ghosts there. So he was like, all right then. Because I mean, he was quite a young guy, so he was, he was quite up for it. So we did a live broadcast from a pitch black leisure centre next door. The alarms went off. Of course they did. Yeah, the alarms were crazy. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Quickly put on some music. The alarms wouldn't, wouldn't stop. Had people ringing the phone like crazy. I was like, oh my God. And then the next day, again, get an email. Um, and I didn't get in trouble. Only Alex got in trouble for some reason, even though it was live on air that I told him to go into that leisure centre. <laughs> And that yeah. was one of I the many I reasons. Why. I think I think I know that there's there's yeah yeah yeah. Probably, there's at least at least one illegal thing going on there. Yeah yeah. Regardless of having the connection <laughs> inside the building. No, it, <laughs> the thing is, and I, I kind of agree though. You know, to an extent, you do need to break the rules. Yeah. Um, within reason. Not the law. With, yeah, rules. Rules exactly. Yeah. Um, it's where you find out what you can do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do it you know, with radio as well. So it's it's something that. You know, you're not supposed to talk for more than two minutes, three minutes, or whatever it is, and play a record. And uh-huh. commercial, it's even shorter. Oh, I used to talk um, for ages without playing a record, but yeah. But but that's the point, and that's why people like, for example, you like him or not, Chris Moyles. Mm-hmm. Hate when him. He, yeah, but when he <laughs> when he first like so Radio X when XFM rebranded yeah. a year and a bit ago, um, his first show he started at six thirty. Mm-hmm. He didn't play a record for the first twenty eight minutes. Wow. On commercial radio, that's like. An absolute no-no. He just talked from 6.30 to yeah. 6.58 and then went, right, well, apparently got to play some adverts now and then we got the news and then we'll be back. Was it? Mo- did he talk mostly about himself as well? Oh, God, yeah, oh, absolutely, course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's what Chris does. Yeah. And if he entertains you and he tickles your funny bits, then yeah. it's brilliant because he, he has no regard for the rules, but that's why I think people like him. Yeah. And I get, you know, I do get that people don't like him as well. And, but that again is another thing that I love about the radio so much is that some people will hate what I do. Yeah, it's all about love, laughter, and absolute bananas stuff. It's just yeah. it's just out of the box, you know, thinking. I must stress, guys, do listen to to Rob's show. Um, uh, not if, at four a.m. if you're not up. Yeah, just listen on the iPlayer. <laughs> if you can't catch it at four a.m., listen on the iPlayer um, because because um, Rob is one of those people who. When we were at Phoenix, I thought he's he's a bit too good for Phoenix because ah. you put so much effort into your show. A lot of people just coasted by, put on a put on whatever was on the kind of playlist. You put in so much effort. You had segments, really interesting bits, um, and just like you, you treat your guests like like royalty. It was, it was great, um, and other people just just didn't. And and you kind of stood out. And I think that's maybe why your time had run its course at Phoenix, and you had to move on to something better, which you did. Yeah, and I, I th- yeah, I think that's true. But I think you know, as, without wanting to sound all sort of you know life coachy on you, it's uh-huh. you know pr- fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah, you know, I do like to, my show to be completely like 
Well, you're in for a treat and... on this show. <laughs> yeah. then, <Rob>. yeah. <laughs> you know, but but you know, you can plan stuff, and having an idea what you want to do is great. Yeah, but, yeah. But that yeah. very sort of live element of never really knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. I was saying to you a little earlier before we we go we came on. This is this morning. I had no idea for something I was going to do in my show this morning. First thing. Yeah. It started out that way, and then someone else grabbed it and took it a different direction. Mm-hmm. And it was a better direction. And yeah. from there, it evolved into something totally different that I could never have seen. But it's having the kind of talent own. to kind of pick up these little nuances in, in a conversation and then ride with it and, and have the confidence to ride with it, which... Um, yeah, you just got to go with it, you know? Yeah. Every conversation you have with any person, like, day in, day out, is, yeah. is never planned. You don't plan conversations. It's true, you, yeah. You just you let it flow. And yeah and just to stop this conversation right right there <laughs> <Full> stop <laughs> um i just want to talk about um the kind of we were talking about similarities between doing radio especially at 4 a.m and to alan partridge because as you know on on the post pop network yep. we have uh, monkey tennis which is uh, a, a popular podcast, podcast. Yeah, yeah you know and that's <laughs> about the exploits and and the adventures of a uh, mr alan partridge um, and he obviously works in radio. Yeah. Um, he does a, uh, a sh- an early morning shift. D- have you had experiences working on the BBC where you, you might think to yourself, this is a little bit partridge? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything um, you can mention? It's not that I, another thing I can't mention. It's, yeah. it's just that... It's just everything. <laughs> well, well, no, yeah, but, but there's... So that time of day is a weird time of day. You never, I mean, I've done it for uh, 18 months now. Yeah. I've been doing the early show for 18 months at the mm-hmm. Beep. And I've done early, early radio, as it were, early morning radio stuff for four or five years. Yeah, yeah. And you, you get used to it, like your body adjusts to yeah. getting up at four o'clock, three o'clock and 2.45, which is what my alarm goes off every morning now. Yeah. But you, and you kind of get used to that, but you're, your mind just wanders off in the strangest of directions at yeah. that time of day. And you can appreciate that it's a weird window, especially the window I'm on mm-hmm. from four till six. It's it's two types of people up. Well, two or three yep. night shift workers. So mm-hmm. they're starting to flag and they're getting towards the end of their shift. We all know what it's like when you get to sort of four or five in the afternoon, and you're yep. ready to go home. Mm-hmm. They have that four or five in the morning. Yeah, And then there's those who start work at, say, six o'clock or even five, mm-hmm. and they're up at sort of threes and fours. So they're still, they're kind of bleary-eyed like most are at six and seven, Yeah, but they do it at three. Mm-hmm. Now, it's quite nice this week until we get to the clock changes, and, and it's the sun's coming up about sort of half five, quarter to okay, six. So nice. you're getting so a during bit of light. your show, the sun so comes up. So I'm now seeing a bit of sunlight yeah. before I finish, which is <laughs> lovely. Um, and then next week, that'll be completely ruined for a while once the clocks go forward. Yeah, But during the winter months... Like it is dark until oh, 7.30. Depressing getting up at so So early. I get up at sort of quarter to three. Yeah. And I manage to go into work, set the studio up, do yep. a two hour program. Mm-hmm. Then I work on the breakfast show as well. Yeah. Do a bit of technical support for that. Mm-hmm. And the sun Could still has... twice for that. Obviously. Biscuits. <laughs> Custard creams. Um, <laughs> I've got loads of biscuits here for you, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, just, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll tuck in. in. Uh, and, you know, it's... People don't understand. Working that darkness... It, after three or four months of it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm fed up with this now. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a bit of any any light will do. Yeah. Any light. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine. So you so you you do get in a strange weird, and it's nice now that obviously say with the sun coming up a bit earlier. Yeah. Um, you get the pleasant summer mornings. You get the really early. You get the sunrises and things like that. And there's nothing like if you're in a bit of a down mood or you're just a bit just feel a bit naff. Uh-huh. Wait, you can go outside or look out a window and you see the sun coming up and the sky is kind of orange and pink. That's true. And that sounds really kind of cheesy and thing but yeah. but it is really kind of peaceful and calming and you think 
but that time of that okay. time of morning, yeah, you, nice. it is very calm and relaxed. But you, you must get some kind of interesting callers coming through at, at that time. Yeah, but likewise, yeah. you you get the sleepy people who have just got up, so yeah. they're half asleep. They're still not really fully functioning. Yeah, um, you get people who can't sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's those that just don't sleep very well. Yeah, um, you get a mixture of sort of old people, young people, and at that time of day, you've got you know milkmen up, postmen up, yeah. lorry drivers. Um, You've got new parents who are just trying to get a baby to sleep. So, yeah. And you're there playing like really loud like, yeah, rock music. Yeah, it's me playing Kings of Leon yeah. them or something <laughs> like that. And and, um, and yeah, so it's a real it's a real mix. And I, and I kind of like that. It's mm-hmm. You never really know who you're catering to. Yeah. Um, and and that kinda, that's kind of the joy of it. You, you just don't know. That's great. And that's yeah. the love. That's what I found, you know, and people said to me, because I do bits and pieces on film as well, because it's all about multimedia now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and they go like, oh, you should do some TV, Rob. You're really good on the camera. I was like, yeah, but <laughs> there's something about recording it. Yeah, you get like three or four goes at it. Exactly. And I hate that. I hate that. I because it's because like because you can do it again and again and again, and you'll yeah. never get it right. Mm-hmm. I like that pressure of once that microphone's up, that's live. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I won't edit say this, next, by the way. Is, it can't undo. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, this is how I try to do this particular podcast. My other podcasts are kind of um, very well, smoothly edited. This one, I like, quite like being like a conversation, a bit free form. If someone messes up, they mess up. It's real life. It's real life, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you get to the middle of a sentence, and your brain generally freezes, and you can't think of the word you're after. Exactly. That's what ha- it happens yeah. in real life. So, so this is just like your radio show except you can swear here if you want to Ooh. <laughs> so I've got, I got biscuits and swearing yeah, now exactly. wonderful news <laughs> um but we will we'll talk more about that a bit later right. um and more about uh your your life if you want cool uh, just having the surname jelly there, there must be so many stories based around that well it's a perfect name for the radio it is yeah um, it's one that people don't forget at all um, which is good um, yeah. if you're a good boy yeah um, obviously it's not so good if you're not and thankfully <laughs> i'm a good boy so um yeah it, it's and people always go it's like, it must be a stage name no yeah. no well, people think my surname's like fake like shepherd even that's like quite quite basic compared to, to jelly Rob yeah jelly. I know, but you got the coolest first name i know jed yeah it's great oh, i guess so uh, it's kind of the name either for a dog or like a president <laughs> a president in a tv show <laughs> If you Google my name, it's it's just like stuff I've done and dogs. Like, it's just like okay. Hey, everyone loves googling dogs. That's you know, true. Dogs on skateboards. You know. <laughs> but guys, please stop calling your your dogs after me, or or just call them Jed in general, because it's really messing up my Google searches. <laughs> and dogs have achieved a lot more than I have. So, um, but let's crack on with format. Right, cool. Yeah, let's go into it. My first pick for what to watch on Netflix is a 2008 low budget Australian film called Lake Mungo. Have you heard of this? No. Rob? Okay, so uh, this was a very limited, it had limited release in the cinemas back in 2008. I think it showed in one cinema here in, in London, but um, you don't really hear about Australian films that much. Uh, but this film was the debut um, of a director called Joel Anderson, and it is about the grief of uh, parents losing their 16-year-old daughter who drowned. Um and that sounds very, very morbid. And mm. it, some of it kind of is, but it's shot as if it's like a documentary. So it's like a, almost like a fake documentary yeah. where you're seeing a camera crew going into this house and speaking to the parents about the, the grief or, um, that they're going through um, with, the, with their daughter. Um, and also you're seeing um, a footage that the son, the, the surviving son, uh, took in the past of the, of the girl who died. So you're seeing uh, various different uh, forms of this girl in different 
media, you're seeing her in photographs, you're seeing her in, in old videos, and you're hearing about her from from the horse's mouth, from her parents. Um, and it's yeah, you get you kind of, kind of get um, pushed along with this uh, vehicle of grief, really. Um, and but you know something's not quite right here. Something's quite unusual. Yeah. And um, as the as the film goes along, you find out more and more about this girl. Like she wasn't quite the all around American girl. You, you thought she was, um, and then you start seeing something strange in some of the videos. Uh, so the, the the brother started filming the house, and in the house you start seeing, in like the corner of the room, you see, you see the you see the girl, um, and you and it gets really freaky. And then you also see in past videos that they've have done, you see like a figure in the background that wasn't there before and it becomes and this kind of escalates to a point where just like something really weird's happening and it seems like this girl who drowned is trying to come back into the family's life and i know this sounds like a horror film but there are horror elements but it's more about how grief kind of takes over and plays in the mind as well exactly and if and, and it's almost like a thought when it, i can't remember what the name of the monster is called but if if you if you think of something enough, it, it comes into reality. Mm. Um, uh, th- I think there's a particular monster. It was in the most recent series of the X-Files when that happened. Uh, but yeah, so it seems like this family's outpouring of grief, public grief, is causing this girl to come back in- into their lives. Um, and it has one of the most, I'm not going to spoil it, but it has one of the most beautiful kind of end sequences you can you can get in a film ab- about grief. It's It's... It's really uplifting, weirdly, in in a film that's full of grief. Um, and yeah, I just thoroughly recommend uh, you guys check it out. It's called Lake Mungo. Um, unfortunately, it's not available on the UK Netflix, but you can if you go into the US and Japanese Netflix, weirdly. It doesn't seem like uh, the UK Netflix um, kind of picked this up. But um, it's also available on Amazon, but you have, to, you have to buy it, unfortunately. But if you want to stream it for free, and you know you have the means to, you can swap your VPN around and uh, stream this from the American or the Japanese Netflix. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's all can we say that there's, there's, there's things, There's programs and films slash documentaries that deal with these things as well, yes. because it is real life. It is Unf- real unfortunately, these things do happen. Yeah. Um, you know, like you say, I work with the breakfast show and, and mm-hmm. the Beeb, and we touch on real life stories and, and you know, good stories and bad stories. And, yeah. and unfortunately, it does happen. And just kind of talking about it and at least making it more known about yeah. may just help someone. Exactly. I mean, th- exactly. I think this is the kind of film that will help someone. You might go into it thinking, oh, it's just, it's just a, an average horror film. But by the end, you're thinking, wow, this has given me a new idea of, of what happens when you, when you die. Yeah, fresh you might, perspective exactly. as well. You might not believe in an afterlife. You might not believe in, in, a, in a god. But you might believe that uh, after someone's gone, part of them is still living somewhere. Um, I think we all like to think that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, w- when I die, um, whenever that will be, I'm coming back and haunting everyone I know. <laughs> but in a good way, I'll be like, hi. Like, I think it'll be great if I just turned up. It's like, and I think my friends would would be disappointed if, if I didn't. didn't yeah, they'll just be like, oh, yeah. It's yeah. a typical Jay, classic Jay, come back as a ghost. I'd like to come back as an earworm. <laughs> an earworm? Yeah, just like a song that gets stuck in your head. That's Because I think that would be very much like, that would sum me up as well. You know, I'd come back as an earworm. I'm not sure what song. You can be a riff on like some some pop groups, uh, yeah. Eurovision. Have you seen <laughs> Pixar's Inside Out? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know when they get the little men have got the yeah. library full of orbs? If you've not seen it, this way, it makes no sense. <laughs> but you've got all the orbs and they get the chewing gum ad and they keep sending yes. it back up to the brain yes 
that's, that's me. you. That's, that's going to be you. Be me. I'm going to live in people's minds and send back earworms to their brain. Yes. <laughs> well, that's perfect. I think you would come back as a as a as a, a physical piece of jelly. That would, that would be quite not ironic, but it would be. I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would like that a lot. Um, well, yeah, that's my, my first choice uh, for what to watch on Netflix. Uh, cool. So, Rob, what was your first choice? All right. Well, I'm going to go with a documentary as well, actually, to start okay. off with. Um, now, I'm a big fan of American football. Yes, you oh, are. This is what, following you on social networks, I've noticed you do play. Yeah, I do. You're, um, you're not the... You're not like the like a tall American kind of... No, just before anyone gets any visions of me, I'm not <laughs> six foot five and built like a door, no. Yeah, because this is what puts me off. I'm trying to be. Because I, I, I kind of want to get into it, but like, I don't think I'm physically built to kind of like hit guys at like 50 miles an hour with a ball in my arm. This is why I play, I play soccer it's, or football. It's as much physical as it is mental. Okay. So I got into it playing at uni. So this is just over 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and when I left university, I really wanted to continue playing, but finding an adult team and finding the time to try train for it as well and, yeah. and things like that kind of became quite hard. But um, last year, about 18 months ago, got in touch with a team locally in Essex, the Spartans, mm -hmm. um, and uh, went along to their sort of kind of, kind of try sessions. Um, and obviously where I'd played before, we did a few drills and yeah. so it became quite apparent quite quickly that I'd played because I knew what I was nice. doing. Okay. Um, so the coach pulled me aside and said, like, you, you've played before? I went, yeah, yeah, I played for university. He went, oh, what's university? I was like, oh, Hertfordshire. He went, yeah, you can tell. <laughs> I was oh, like, wow, okay. I was like, well, it's a compliment on obviously me, yep. but also on the, the university coaching staff that who were amazing. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm still in touch with a few of them now. Um, but so, so I'm a big fan of it. And anyway, okay. I, I play now. Um, I'm a wide receiver, but also learning to be a quarterback this year. Okay, I know what a quarterback is, but what's a wide receiver? The person that collects the ball from yeah, the quarterback, catching, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots of it's just sort of obviously fast sprinting and, and catching and things. Kind yeah. of winger and rugby, yeah. winger and football. Um, and uh, so a friend of mine uh, who's also a big NFL fan recommended this suggestion for me on Netflix. Okay. It's called Last Chance U, and just the letter U, the letter like the U, university. Yes. Um, it's a 2016 documentary. There is a second season coming. Okay. It's not available yet on the UK Netflix. Is it like a, so a, like a series? Please. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a documentary series that follows right. through the uh, life of students who are not very academic, mm -hmm. but incredibly, uh, they've got incredible potential to be yeah. the next NFL stars. Okay, yeah. Like some of these lads are immense athletes. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever seen any NFL, you'll... You'll appreciate this. Um, at the moment, in fact, some of the new college players have just done all their kind of um, almost like their CV. Is that their physical CV? They call it the um, the oh, excuse me, the combine, okay. the NFL combine. It's basically a test day. They're right. going to do loads of physical uh, tests in front of all the scouts and the coaches for the NFL teams. I mean, these are all uh, the universities. That are yeah, so there's people, like right. thousands of them, you mm -hmm. know, and um, and they all have to run forty yard sprints. They do jump tests and bench press okay. tests and all this sort of thing. Um, and they're incredible athletes. And some of these guys in this this program are you know, potentially yeah. that good. Okay. Um, but they're useless academically. Right. Okay. And um, so they go to this college. Um, yeah. And I can't for the life of me now remember where it is. Um, but it's kind of in the south of America. Okay. Um, and it's all about the sort of their academic life as well as their sort of physical life. So you yep. see them training. You see the, the, the games they go through. Mm -hmm. um, but you see them struggling as well. Yeah. In, in college and you know a lot of people don't realize this but nfl stars all went through college okay you know almost all of them will have gone through college and have got a degree so they're all 
Right, okay. Brainy. I did not know that. They okay. all are quite smart academically because yeah. they've had to study because the majority of NFL players won't have got there, won't have even been able to afford university because in America it's like $100,000 yeah, to crazy. get a three-year degree. Yeah. They can't afford that. Mm-hmm. And who can, you know, who can? Um, so what happens is you tend to get colleges will yeah. say, we'll pay for your degree yeah, if you come and play football. Yeah. But the condition is you have to do well in your academics. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we'll cut you from the team. We'll drop you from the university. Bye bye. And why do the, why why can't they just why don't they just want a good athlete at their school to to, to kind of um, prep up their prop up their football team? Why why does the grades matter to them? Just so they can keep. I their... guess academically as well. Obviously, some people you know there are people obviously go to do they're not the university specifically for making athletes they yeah. are just universities in general like okay. we have here in the uk so they still want to keep up that so average they still have, yeah. yeah exactly still have ac- academic students who just go for the academia and then go on to whatever career they choose so yeah. law and medicine and whatnot yeah so having these sports will bring them down if they've mm-hmm. got bad grades so it's a kind of it's a you know it's a playoff against each other yeah. um but it's a really good series it's um there are moments in it as well it's like you're a bit like oh this actually got a bit serious uh-huh. not in a bad way but you appreciate how much stress and how much pressure there is. Yeah. And these kids are troubled kids as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are, you know, sort of 18, 19 years of age and they're just, you know, the most truant little sods you can imagine. Yeah. Um, but you can just see them and you can see, have you just tried, you little <laughs> swine? You could you could make $5 million a year, you donut, you know? So is there a number of different students they kind of like follow? Yeah, they follow this, about yeah. a dozen, dozen, 15 sort of students fairly closely. Right. Um and the end of the first season, uh, first series, mm-hmm. um, kind of leads them up to the very end of the first college season for, of football. Okay, And right. the end where their exams are all coming out. So they ah. just do their exams and you don't find out whether they pass. Oh, so they have to make so, another series. Exactly. Nice. And so hopefully Netflix UK will have it on soon. And if someone wasn't into or never been interested in, in NFL or American football, why would they, what would make them want to watch this? Ooh, that's a good question. Is it because well, Mike? Is it because that it's the kind of human experience, like yeah, and like overcoming adversity and yeah, I think it's, yeah, because some of these some of these guys as well, they've come from incredibly bad backgrounds. It's, yeah, they, they go into the backstory of why they've ended up like they are. Yeah, um, and you know, there's a couple of them they've lost parents mm-hmm. through gun crime, drugs, and things like that. So you can yeah. So some of them have got <clears throat> real life, you know, trauma they've gone through, and yeah. you can understand why they've ended up being little toe rags. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, you can sort of sympathise with it. So it's if you know or you have mm-hmm. been through that sort of thing, you can kind of apply a bit of your own life to it, and you think, yeah, we've all had troubles, but mm-hmm. actually, mine aren't as bad as that. That's, that's yeah, you know, someone has always got it worse, unfortunately. Of course, yeah. Um, and it's quite nice sort of to look at that. Like from that point of view, so even if you're not a football fan, you don't understand it. Yeah. You haven't got to understand football to watch it. It does can... sound really interesting, um, and I have seen it pop up on my uh, on my Netflix queue. I have been slightly curious about it, but like you've kind of like confirmed that it's it's worth a watch, even if. Uh... Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's a whole heap of efforts. I think six episodes. Okay. So nice. It's not going to take you forever to watch if you do get involved in it. Okay. Um, but I think if you do, you'll kind of you'll see it through to the end, yeah. and you'll kind of want to know what happens in the next one. Like I am now, yeah. I'm like, come on, well, that's I great. Want season two. Well, that is a, a great first pick there, Rob. Thanks Thank very much. much. Uh, my second pick is going to be a, a documentary from 2015, though it only really came out um, in the cinemas last year, even the tail end of last year. Um, and it is it's quite a popular one f- for me. It's the My Scientology movie, the Louis Theroux. Um, kind of documentary film that came out uh, last year. And the reason why I'm picking this is because 
at every point of my life, I want to destroy Scientology. <laughs> I I get up early in the morning yeah. to destroy Scientology. I I hate Scientology with a, with a passion. Um, and I've can you explain that in why in one sentence? Well, uh, people who've, who've who've listened to this show before know that. I, I've talked about um, some of the other kind of documentaries on on Netflix uh, that involve cults. Scientology is one of the most successful and money grabbing cults there is um, in in the world, and they destroy lives. They t- um, take vulnerable people, they make vulnerable people give them all their money, they make them uh, disown their own family. Um, and if they ever kind of try to go back to the family, then they are kind of singled out and attacked, and it's it's crazy. And I'm going into I went into this film knowing quite a lot about Scientology because um, I also followed around um, a few years ago um, some people who were in anonymous uh, who one of the anonymous. Uh, kind of gangs of people who uh, protest outside the Scientology Centre in London quite quite a lot, and I followed them around with a the, with the camera, um, and I got to see firsthand uh, and from, from stories that people have told me as well what kind of like bad guys these are. And we spoke to um, uh, a former sci- a child um, Scientologist who was part of the Sea Org, and that was a Scientologist ship uh, that sailed around the world. Sounds mental, boy. yeah. And they threw her in the water overboard, and she was like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 at the time, and she was like a grown-up woman now, but... So does Louis Theroux kind of look into it? So, yeah, so Louis Theroux um, actually doesn't go, go too deep. It's, it's more for people who aren't really into Scientology, um, who, who don't really know a lot about it. And he, and he obviously does it in a funny way. He actually didn't direct uh, this this himself. Director is a guy called John Dower, uh, but he presents it in, in his kind of own inimitable way where he acts like he doesn't really know about a particular subject and that kind of yeah, disarms... You know he does. Yeah, of course he does. He dis- disarms the person he's interviewing they think he's just like a, a simpleton uh, but it's just a great interview technique because then they reveal more and more about this kind of dark dark world mm. um the, the the criticism that people have given for this particular film is that it doesn't go far enough because scientology is a dark 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 world um a lot of lives have been ruined because of it does it explain scientology for those who don't know Kind of. Because I know of it. Yeah. But I so don't really know. I'll give you a, a brief, brief summary of how it starts. So there was a guy called L. Ron, Ron Hubbard. He was a science fiction writer. Right. Um, he wrote on uh, the original Star Trek series. Apparently all was involved with that somehow. He wrote a bunch of uh, sci-fi novels. Um, one of them I actually read wasn't terrible, um, I, I hate to admit. Um, and uh, he was in a plane crash and he had brain had a brain injury and while he was in hospital he wrote uh, a book called Dianetics which is the Scientology Bible Um, so you think this guy had a bit of brain damage sci-fi writer he writes this story um, that um, and he's also said previously that um, the way to get them I'm going to paraphrase now but the way you make the most money is by forming um, a religion um, taking all this into into account, uh, that's what he does. He turns this into a religion called Scientology, with Dianetics as as the basis. And what Dianet- Dianetics is is really uh, on the surface just the really simple rules like be nice to your parents, don't do drugs, all that kind of thing. But um, the, the further further you go into it, and there's levels you have to pay for. So the more money you give them, the more layers. Um, the higher you go up in the chain and you find out more about this particular religion. And when you get to the top, and this is on Wikipedia, the religion is is basically about an alien came down to Earth 
um, and his name is Xenu, and he tied other aliens to volcanoes and released these things called thetans, which now live in all humans. It's a real messed up thing. Um, and yeah, so it's a dis- really destructive cult, and Louis Theroux is there trying to kind of make it a bit more palatable for people who aren't really into it. There's, 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 there's loads of documentaries about Scientology that go into it a bit deeper, but this is a Louis Theroux stab at it. Um, so this is kind of like a good pl- starting place. If you've kind of heard yeah. about it and you're kind of intrigued, you're curious, this yeah. is a bigger good place this to This is start. a very good starting point. And I mean, does I, he give it a chance, though? Because I don't want to play like... I'm not doing it just to sit on the fence on purpose. But yeah. does, he, does he allow it to have its say? Oh, yeah. I mean... So he, that... that you know, because if you are genuinely interested and you think, maybe this could be for me. Yeah. Because yeah. some people will. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like like Tom Cruise. And um, Tom Cruise is obviously one of the, the most famous Scientologists. And Will Smith. Will have S- I made that up? No, no, Will Smith. But he, he, he doesn't really talk about it. But yeah, Will Smith. Um, and uh, John Travolta is, is one of the other famous no. ones. Yep. Um, really? There's a whole thing about he wouldn't, when his son was dying, he wouldn't take him to given proper medicine or something because of it's I don't know okay. it's real messed up um, so yeah so um, this uh, this kind of documentary follows Louis through as he tries to kind of un- um, kind of give a, a rough I- give you a rough idea of what Scientology is the reason why I'm um, actually <coughs> promoting this to you guys is because there's a really weird moment in it and it only happens for a couple of minutes where Louis three goes into a hotel room and then he gets a knock on the door and he opens the door, and there's a woman there in a bikini. Um, and I watched this in the cinema, and I was like, who is it? I know this woman from somewhere. And she comes on, and she says, what are you guys doing? And Louis's like, I'm filming a, doc- a documentary. And she's like, I've been in 80 films. And Louis's like, okay, okay, um, we're, we're, we're kind of busy now. And she's like, I've been in 80 films. If you need someone to be in your, f- in your film, let me know. I'm just hanging around. And it's a pretty scummy hotel. And I'm like, oh, who was that woman? Who was that woman? And I realised it's this um, actress called, called Paz de la Huerta, who's done a bunch of horror films. She's done one called Nurse, Nurse 3D. Um, and she's great. She's great. So seeing her in this kind of form where she's kind of begging to be in this documentary, it's quite sad, but also really interesting. Um, and yeah, and that's my Sounds second pick. mad. It's mad, but I re- I, if, you, if you're even curious to know what kind of craziness goes on in the Scientology world, then then watch my Scientology movie directed by John Dower. And it's mm. on every Netflix. So, uh, yeah, that's my second pick. Rob, cool. what is your well, second pick Well, as we're talking today? about evil cults, I thought yeah. I'd talk about Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Nice I'm joking. segue. <laughs> um, no, I've got a, a program, which is probably one of the first things I saw on Netflix. Okay. So I can't even remember when Netflix landed in the UK. It must have been... Oh, well, it was 2012? like... Um, as a digital 13? version, yeah, because before it was just like DVDs through the post, yeah. wasn't it? And like yeah, so when it became a sort of streaming service, yeah, 2012, 2013 Yeah, it was about that, yeah. Um, and so I, so I think this is one of the first things I saw yeah. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And when it's when the title was called Being Elmo, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm in, I'm watching. <laughs> right, book an hour out of my time, I'm watching this now. <laughs> you are like a human version of Elmo, very excitable. <laughs> You're almost wearing Elmo colours right now. You jump oh, yeah, around. You're nice to people. Well, this is the thing. So, so this is probably why I found yeah. it so like engaged. I was like, yep, I'm in. Yep. Right? But it's being Elmo, a puppeteer's journey. You would be great on Sesame Street, by the way. What, as a person or as a Muppet? Or as a well, person, as one know. of the human people interacting right. with the Muppets. You would be great, actually. <laughs> 
Uh, if, if anyone's listening from the uh, <laughs> yeah. Sesame Street uh, Foundation, I'm uh, Children's Television Workshop, I seem to remember. I, I, yeah. I, am, I am available for work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a 2011 documentary. Yep. Uh, narrated by Whoopi Goldberg as well. Is Always a really? joy to hear yeah. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, and it basically follows Elmo creator Kevin Clash, yeah. who created Elmo. He's yeah. the man originally behind it, the voice and the physical puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just uh, a working class guy from Baltimore. He's yeah. a kid. He loves TV. Sesame Street comes on. He's like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, like, like all of like, us when we were young, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's like that TV program that you just sat four inches on the screen and watched, you yeah. know, fix that. You didn't blink. <laughs> um, it's like, get back from the TV. No. Um, <laughs> and it's really good to see someone, again, this is, I guess, a kind of an underdog almost thing, like a bit like yeah. Last Chance. Yeah, you. you're is, right. Yeah. That, um, you know, he didn't come from a very affluent uh, background mm-hmm. at all, but he he had this kind of passion, uh, even from a very, very young age. Yeah. Uh, so he started making his own pu- uh, puppets. It's great. Um, and, you know, never interested in ventriloquism. Uh, two very different things. They're very impressive skills yeah. in both sense. If you've ever seen things like, uh, well, any ventriloquism acts, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Zerden's a very good English okay. um, ventriloquist. Um, or, or anything, Avenue Q, the of musical, course, yeah, which yeah. is just brilliant. Um, and it, it's all very, it's a very hard skill to get right because you have to turn this inanimate, fluffy thing into a real life, yeah, something that engages you like a human does. Exactly. It has expression yeah. in its face and intonation in its voice. And Kevin comes up with the idea for Elmo, and it's a very simple idea. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't got the technique. He's, you know, he's taught himself how to make these things. So he he basically reaches out to the creators of the the puppets of Sesame Street, yeah, and says, "Can I come and have a look?" And they go, "Yeah, come on down." That's great. And Elmo was born. You yeah. know, I, I make very again paraphrasing this massively, but it's a really <laughs> nice sort of sort of story to see him go, and then Jim Henson sort of go. Yeah. This is brilliant. And also he he's he's a he's um a, an African American. Um and yeah. at that point they didn't have it was just a bunch of white guys doing yep. the so he had another it's, hurdle. It's a voice because he does the voice of Elmo and yeah. it's, when you see his face, you think there's no way that voice is gonna come out of that face. Yeah. Which is something a comment has been made about <laughs> me actually in this last <laughs> week. Someone really? was on, someone on Twitter said, oh, I've been meaning to follow you on Twitter for ages, Rob. And I can't I've got to say, your face and your voice do not match. It's like brilliant. <laughs> is that a compliment or I'll take it as one? Yeah, I'll take yeah. it as one. Uh, so yeah, it's really it's a really interesting documentary. It's it's a lot of fun, um, and you haven't got to be a Sesame Street fan to to watch it no, either. No, I don't think because I saw this uh, yeah like a, like a little while ago, um, and uh, I mean I had obviously hadn't watched, watched Sesame Street in a while, but I'd always had like massive respect for it because I think it's one of the the few programs out there that are really trying to teach kids um, like the, the the wrong and what's wrong and right, um, and so. Yeah, you don't you don't really hear much about it in your in a kind of older life unless you have kids. Yeah. So I went into this with a lot of trepidation, but I came out like a better person. And I think it's interesting to see behind the scene. Obviously, you get to know what how um the or the the respect that everyone had for Jim. Yes. Yeah. You know when obviously he died. Um, I don't even quite oh, the year. I can't remember. But while ago now that, that funeral scene. And, you know, and and all the all the. Sesame Street characters there as yeah. well as the crew that actually make it all happen and you just think yourself if you can have half the impact that Jim has had on people's lives yeah. then you're doing well exactly you know, it, the, yeah. the man has created something so very simple yeah. so very innocent mm-hmm. that has brought so much joy to so many people it's it just the numbers don't work yeah. right you know one man one idea 
millions and millions of people exactly. across generations, 50 mm-hmm. years. I've got a request for, for listeners to make now. Stop this podcast for a second. Go onto YouTube and type in Jim Henson's funeral and watch um, when uh, Kermit sings it's, it's Not Easy Being Green. Yeah. Holy moly. That is tear-jerking if, at its if, finest. If, if it doesn't make you feel something, you yeah. probably need a defibrillator. Exactly, yeah. And they all join in and it's just like, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. It is the most perfect tribute, I think, yeah. to to Jim. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a really good it's a really good documentary, I say. Kevin, um, it's lots of its own home footage uh, to start with from yeah. his younger life. And mm-hmm. then, uh, again, then the, the sort of crews go in and they, they sort of, he goes back to home or was home when he was a kid. And yeah, then he goes yeah, yeah. back to... Um, the first time he was there and he walks around the set and again, like you can see it in his eye and his, and his, and his eyes and his face and you think, yeah, this means something to him. Yeah. He's really... He's in the candy store. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And and it's it's nice because not enough people unfortunately get the opportunity to do something that they truly want to do. Yeah. So being able to see someone like that do it, it just proves that if you've got an idea, if you've got a you know, kind of goal you want to achieve, mm-hmm. just go for it. Yeah. Because if you make it, you have no idea the level of happiness you'll achieve. That's very hippie to say, but, no, um, but that's great. I, I like to say, you know, I say it a lot about like doing the radio. You yeah. know, I ten years ago, I thought this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I, I can if I can make a living doing this, yeah, be the happiest man on the planet. And and there you are, the happiest man on the 2:45 planet. Two forty-five in the morning, my alarm goes off, and I don't wake up once and go, nah, nah, not today. <laughs> get up and just spring out of bed, and off I go. You know, because if you get to do something you enjoy doing, it's not work. You are winning. Yeah, it's it, not you're work. right. It's not work. It's just a hobby you get paid it's for. Great, yeah. It's great. So, yeah, recommend that. Being Elmo, a puppeteer's journey. Yep. Well, that's a great second pick, Rob. Thanks very much for that. Thank you um, very much. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, my last pick of what to watch on Netflix, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on brand for me, the Joe Shepard brand, and that's going to do like a... You're going for a, horror then? I'm going for a horror. Well, more like a psychological thriller, if you want to kind of get down to the bones of it. It's called They Look Like People. Now, this straight away... This sounds dodgy already. Yeah. This straight away sounds like kind of a Channel 5 bad movie or something that's on the sci-fi channel. Uh, But do not let the title kind of mislead you. This film is incredible. Um, So it was a 2015 independent uh, film uh, directed and produced by a guy called Perry Blackshear. I wish I did some research and found out anything else that he's done since. Um, But this, for a first film, is incredible. Um, Not only is it uh, a surprise to me that something with such a low budget, and this is a real low budget film, affected me in such a massive way, um, it's just beautiful as well. So let me give you kind of the basics of why you should watch this particular film. It is about, it's the best film I've ever seen about male friendship. Wow, that's a yeah, that's an accolade. Exactly, because you see, you mostly see male friendship in comedies. It might be like yep. Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, or those yep. kind of like bro kind of comedies, The Hangover, the romance, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of that kind of um, male friendship isn't really real. It's like a cartoon version. Mm. So when this one, even though it's kind of a horror film with some slight kind of sci-fi aspects to it, feels more real. And I'll tell you why. There are about two mates who used to be really, really close. Uh, but kind of lost touch a bit. And they both just recently broke up with uh, their partners. Yep. So they've kind of reconnected, like uh, th- those relationships are over. Um, and one of them called uh, Wyatt, um, phones up his old mate, I'm like, uh, I'm really at a loss. And and his mate Christian says, well, come and hang out with me and we can get through this together. Yeah. Um, so it starts off like with these two mates just trying to kind of get through uh, two breakups. 
and it's great. And I was like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. Um, and it's done really seriously, and it's it's not like there's no weird comedic moments. Um, but then the kind of film starts to escalate when a woman gets involved. Uh, so one of them, Christian, has a date with his boss, this, this um, girl um, he obviously works with. And he feels a bit bad about leaving Wyatt at home in, in the flat. So he's like, "Why? Um, I'll get, I'll get um, my date to bring a friend, friend, and, and double yeah, date, yeah, exactly." Which is great. What friends <laughs> do? So they go on this double date, but something goes wrong. The um, Wyatt's date gets into an accident basically and gets hurt. So the date kind of ends up being in the hospital waiting room while they're all the three of them are hanging around while the other girl yeah. is um, being seen to. So this kind of weird dual relationship starts between uh, these these couples. Um, but the, the other thing that's going on, the kind of main plot, really, is Christian is going through some psychological issues, um, possibly brought on by the previous breakup. But while he's, at, while he's at his friend's house, he starts hearing things. So he hears, like, you, you're the only one who knows this. There's going to be an invasion. You can't trust anyone. Be careful and prepare so he's like, holy shit, what do I do? You don't need a voicemail do? like that on your phone. Yeah, like, you what don't. The hell? I mean, I've had some weird late night calls before, but that, <laughs> that one kind of like takes the biscuit. Um, and so he's like, okay, should I tell my friend that his girlfriend's telling me this? So his girlfriend comes comes around and they have like dinner together and like his friend goes off for a minute and he's like, Can I can I speak to you for a second? And she's like, Yeah, yeah. And he's like, follow me down to the basement. So they go down in the basement and he's built this follow bunker. Me down to the basement. Yeah. He's built this bunker full of weapons and like all kinds of stuff and she's like um what the hell's going on and he's like oh I, you, you told me what to do i, I know is it we'll keep it i'll keep it between us but yeah don't, don't worry i've been preparing and she's like what the hell are you talking about and then he accidentally um and then she kind of like hurts him a little bit uh because trying to push him off and um he's he doesn't understand because he's getting instructions from her to kind of prepare for an alien invasion um and then obviously his friend is like, why Why are you two fighting? What's going on? I don't really understand what's going on. And then uh, this guy, he goes out into the world and he starts seeing people that he knew um, out of the corner of his eye look a bit different than normal. So he, he goes to see um, his date and on the particular date, her eyes are a bit different and just, just weird things are starting to happen. And as a, as a, you've seen it from his perspective, you don't know if what he's seeing is real or not. Or just how he's seeing it. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of... this. So you're in this weird situation as so you don't know it's an unreliable narrator. And I love films like this. Um, and the film... I mean, I'm not going to give away the ending, of course. But the film ends with uh, a real kind of... Real male friendship moment where... Do you... Do you try to fix your friend or do you, do you go with his fantasy and help him through that? Or do you just literally walk away? Up? Yeah. Or do you walk away because this is crazy? He's yeah. hurting your girlfriend. And the, op the option that this particular friend takes is just absolutely beautiful. And like I say, it's the best film I've ever seen about male friendship, but mixed up in a weird horror sci-fi alien invasion story. Um, and it's great. And this is available... Um, on the US Netflix, and okay. um, it's available on uh, again Japanese Netflix. Japanese Netflix got everything for, for, for those people who have a have a VPN or can change their Netflix regions. Check out the Japanese Netflix; they have all the cool films that aren't on the UK one, uh, like like the US one. They have tons of cool stuff too. Um, but the uh, yeah, it was written directed by Perry Blackshear, 
and I uh, recommend this very highly. This was actually going to be on the, on the first uh, What to Watch on Netflix, but I thought it was a bit too similar to some of my other choices, so I've saved it till now. But it's called They Look Like People. came out in 2015. That's my final choice. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch that Please, one, please do. And let me know what you think. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as, you know, I like to spend most of my time sort of being an idiot, and, <laughs> uh, being a massive child in, in grown-up shoes, um, it's quite nice to find movies and documentaries and films, even if they are sort of, you know, fictional. Yeah. To kind of hit on those sort of real moments of yeah. life. Well, actually, because... Interesting um, to see how other people think that should be. Yeah. Or how that should work or how that would go. Well, there's a bit... Because like, you do a podcast yourself uh, called... called um, we, we Came, We Saw, We, we podcasted, podcasted with uh, a guy called Brian. He used to work with us at Phoenix FM. And talking about it now reminded me of the friendship that you have with Brian um, <laughs> two kind of well, like I say something and he goes no <laughs> yeah so it's like the kind of, kind of the dynamic where you're the kind of jolly one and he is the kind of a little bit more angsty one let's say <laughs> and this is the kind of relationship that the characters have in they look like people so I'd be interested to see what, what you kind of yeah I'll definitely kind of check it out of it. I'll <laughs> let you know for sure um, so uh, Rob Jelly what is your final pick of what to watch on Netflix well I am a huge Huge fan, uh, yep. not only of cartoons and childish things, or yes. American football. I'm also a massive fan of comedy. Of course, I yeah. I think comedy is something that uh, helps people escape from reality. Yeah, uh, like things like Sesame Street and such. Yeah, um, and it's about making people laugh and smile and yes. feel good, which which you're good at. Which, but, which yeah. thank, oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, even when it's something serious, even when like comedians touch on, you know, serious stuff, they manage to do it in a funny way. Yeah. Uh, and there are an absolute bevy of stand-up comedians and comedy specials on Netflix. So Netflix is great. I think they announced um, at the start of this year that every week they're going to release another comedy special by like a like a decent comedian. It's, it's just great. They're investing the time and money into into putting this out. Because where else would you see comedy specials? And I think it's good. But, but also, I think for me, I'm finding new comedians that I'd never heard of before. Yeah. And... I'm signing up to their email mailing list. That's great. So when they come to the UK, if they're not UK based, I'm going to try and get tickets because I think they're just brilliant. They make me chuckle out loud. I can be sat on my own (laughs) watching and obviously where I work so early in the morning, I come home sort of Uh lunchtime-ish. I am sometimes on my own at home, but I can sit there and laugh, belly laugh out loud, you know, (laughs) with with tea going everywhere because it's that funny, you know, and, and... so it's really hard sometimes to find stuff that makes you actually laugh out loud on yeah. your own. Well, I was uh, laughing at like 3 a.m. this morning, uh, watching, randomly clicked on a, on a YouTube link to 300 really short videos of people falling over. And this, I know, I'm going to go to hell. No, it's fine. You've got to find, <laughs> you've got to find the simple pleasures in life. And as long as they're okay and it's not so that bad... bad People falling over is one of the funniest things. It in the is. World. I mean, I'm sure everyone seemed to kind of get up afterwards, so it's fine. But I've, I don't think I've ever laughed by myself that much in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was arriving at work at that time. You're sat there watching <laughs> YouTube. Tuned into your show, you really, shouldn't really? I? Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of my newfound comedians uh, is Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Uh, now he's his fifth special um, wow. is called Cinco. Okay. Five, um, and he does a lot of jokes about sort of uh, Mexicans as well, but okay. in, a, in a good way. Yeah, you know, he's not—he's not number one. He's not an offensive comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really swear that much at all. Okay, in fact, if, if there's more than five swear words in these five shows, yeah. I'd be amazed. Count me out. I've, I've, um, I've gone off this guy. I'm only joking. No, <laughs> no, it sounds good. But, but it likes to change. But actually, I think it's cleverer. Yeah, cleverer, uh, more clever to not swear. 
Yes. Um, You're right, because you have to choose your words. Yeah. yeah. It's very easy. And there's a time and a place for an F-bomb. Mm-hmm. There really is. Yeah, and it's not at 4 a.m. Um, on uh, on the BBC. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> morning! <laughs> I'd love you to say that tomorrow morning. <laughs> morning, fuckers. <laughs> like... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's the end of my career. That's true. Um, so, yeah, so I stumbled across this. It was actually a recommendation. Uh, I watched a few other stand-up comedy stuff uh, specials on Netflix and, yep. and Cinco was his new one 2017 filmed I think it was January this year it was filmed uh-huh. uh, so it came out I was like yeah give it a go uh-huh. I do like just jumping into something even when I have no idea yeah, what it's about yeah sometimes it's the best plus he's got a weird face <laughs> um, gotta love the weird now, face guys I'll show you the picture this is actually his first special it's called Beyond the Pale look okay. at his face he is, he is pale as you like is he an albino no okay but he's he's still like white blonde hair, very yeah. very pasty looking, um, really and he, piercing and he blue plays, eyes, and he plays on it a lot. Excellent. Um, so Cinco came up. I've, I think I've seen him in in like I think he was on. Uh, he sends a lot of American sort of yeah. sitcom bits. Was on Mar- of cameo Mar- stuff. Mark Maron's show, maybe possibly. Um, so watched Cinco. Uh, that was great. Loved it. Roared out laugh out loud. Um, and obviously then it recommends underneath on Netflix you've got other ones that Mm -hmm. they've been in so I started flicking back and the only thing I'd recommend with him um, is watch them in order if you can okay so watch Beyond the Pale first right because that's before he was married and before he Uh, became a dad okay and it's not that there's you have to see them in order or you have to watch them all yeah but some of the jokes that he makes reference to are in relation to yeah. his life in that wind. In that adds a little bit of colour to so you yeah. know a little bit more uh, about. And, and it's not spoiling person. anything, but he's now got five kids. So before wow. the first okay. show in two thousand five, he's not married. He's got no kids. Yeah. His latest show, which was filmed in January this year, I think it was. Yeah. He's got five kids and he's married. Um, this leads me to believe if, if you have Netflix special, uh, you get a lot of. Uh, well, <laughs> well lot of... he said, he said uh, this is my fifth Netflix special. Uh, it's of course for my fifth child. So. Um, depending on what me and uh, the lovely lady indoors do, uh, I might have another one. Um, and, it's, and it's quite, you know, he does play little little kind of jokes on things like that as yeah. well. Um, but he he's clever. He's a, he's a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does these creepy voices. But in, a, okay. in it's it's funny creepy. So Can you demonstrate? So he, goes, he goes all like weird like this. <laughs> but sometimes, I think his second show, uh, which I think is King Baby, because okay. he looks like a giant baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he comes out and he does the voice almost immediately. <laughs> and, and he goes, this is weird. He's doing the voice already. He's like a minute in. <laughs> and he keeps it going for about two or three minutes. And he, go, he goes, I can't believe he's still doing the voice. So what he's basically doing, he's doing sort of internal commentary of the audience. Yeah. About his own performance. Okay, so yeah. So there's a really clever... There are a few comedians that actually do that. Really, yeah. really smart. Um, and I, I think um, I think it's Obsessed, which is his third one. Yeah. Um, they're all available on Netflix. That's uh, great. He comes out and he just makes a noise. He just goes, ah, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. He goes, I did this for two hours. But you know what you think? It's funny the first noise he makes. Yeah. All right. And then after a couple of seconds, it's sort of like, it's getting less funny. Yeah. And then yeah. he goes, I do this for two hours. <laughs> then you're like, right. And then he keeps going. And he goes through the funny, goes not funny, and then goes funny again. And I've he keeps s- it going just long enough. Yeah. I've seen the comedians that, I, I, I think, um, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Stuart Lee's uh, yes. done, done a similar thing recently. Yeah. yeah. On one of, one of He's his got shows. a great uh, show on, uh, on Netflix as well. Which one is it? The 40th, 43rd yeah. funniest 
comedian or yeah. something like that. Yeah, his nine uh, eleven kind of uh, riff on on that yes. is great. Yeah, yeah, um, and and so I just I mean I've I've found a load of new comedians recently, and I could list you dozens. Um, but he's probably the one that stands out for me, okay. especially as he's got five shows on there. Yeah. Um, and they all kind of, it's kind of interesting to see how he changes as well for it. And I think as I say, yeah. being a comedian is r- so hard. Well, you want to, you want to do it yourself, right? You want to well, actually want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I did it <laughs> once. So going actually back to when I was Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. um, I, I had a thing when I was going to try and do 50 things that I'd never done before yeah. in a year. Okay. Kind of like a bucket list, as it yeah. were. Um, but I gave myself the first week of the year, so from the 1st of January to the 8th, to make the list. Yeah. And then 50 weeks to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the final week of the year was going to be a week of review. Okay, um, yeah. And it started out brilliantly. I was doing like one a week, first four <laughs> weeks were in. I was like four in. I was like, this is going well. <laughs> then the fifth week was a struggle, but I spent some time setting up some of the bigger projects. Yes. I remember your list. And, and some of them seven, were achievable. Seven, seven weeks in, eight weeks in. I still haven't done any more than four. <laughs> and it was going horribly wrong. And then slowly but surely a few more trickled in. Yeah. Um, and these things re- ranged from carving a pumpkin, okay. solving a Rubik's Cube, to skydiving. So And you did all of those? Uh, so I didn't skydive. Okay. Um, uh, I... Can't the night is but young. <laughs> I know exactly. I still have time. Yeah. Uh, so I did a Rubik's cube. Um, learned how to do it. Yeah. And then did actually did it on air. Okay. It took me twenty five minutes to do whilst <laughs> on air, uh, and obviously doing all the other manual bits and bobs you have to do when you're a presenter. Yeah. Um, carved the pumpkin. Uh, sent a message in a bottle. Uh huh. Yeah. a message in a bottle in the sea. Uh, if that ever turns up, I will be amazed. I've put all my contact details on it. Have you really? My wow. Twitter account. I've always wanted to do that as well. So. I really hope it turns up like in South End. Yeah. So like about <laughs> 20 miles from where I live, you know what I mean? Because that would just be brilliant. Did you check out the kind of like flow of the current? Like where, where, where would well, actually I was end in the, up? I was on the Isle of Man when oh, I did it. Okay. So I was on the northwest coast of the country. Okay. Yeah. So the so opposite could, end of the, of the well, UK to where I am. So it could end in up Essex. in America, really. So yeah. it could end up in America. Yep. Um, it might just go around the UK and back. And I'd be amazed if it ends up in like South End because that'd be brilliant. That would make me laugh so much that it's gone around the UK and found my house. Um, or, it you know, it might end up somewhere else. I wouldn't give you a dress out on this on this show, by the way. No, a crazy out there. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> love them all. I love them all, really. Um, yeah, so, so I did like a message in a bottle. Um, what else did I do? I had a t- random ride a tandem bike, which I almost did. Okay. Uh, and that fell through for whatever reason. Um, and it was just a note of bonkers list. And on my list as well, yeah. coming back to the point, was to perform stand-up comedy. Okay. Um, thinking, I like a laugh. Yeah. And I'm doing live radio. Yeah. You kind of find you're in a moment. And obviously, I like to just try to spread a bit of laughter, a bit of, you know, a bit mm-hmm. of fun. So I thought, I could do a five-minute set. You know, five yeah. minutes isn't that long. I mean, when you're on a radio and you need to fill for five minutes, it's like a nightmare. Yeah. It is like the most... It's, it's eternity, five well, minutes. Well, you've also done loads of show, loads, loads of radio shows where there's people in the room. Yeah. And you're kind of playing to them a little yeah. bit. So you kind of but know But one of the beauties like. of radio, and yeah. one of the hard skills to learn of radio, which I still get wrong to this day, okay. is being able to talk to people who aren't visually there. So right. you and I sat across the table now, mm-hmm. and it's great because I can see your face gestures. Yeah, you might move in the seat. You can see my hand gestures, my yep. face. You have none of that with the radio, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of picture them the whole time, and yep. that's fine. You kind of get used to it after a while. But you think, you know, being on the radio and you've got 
potentially thousands of listeners and yeah. you know we do get listening figures in and it's all very much approximate and yeah. i do have thousands of people that listen to me at the wee hours of the morning okay so it's great and i've done light switch ons at christmas in high streets so ten really? thousand people deep and you can't see the back of them and you think this should be really daunting but yeah. that was a breeze honestly didn't but didn't phase me just Maybe because it was nighttime, we couldn't see them all yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that, but that's probably half the point. Is that yeah. you sometimes can't see them, but you you can see them like ten feet from your, you know, down on the bottom yeah. of the stage, and you can yeah. just not see the end of the people. Uh -huh. You think I can't mess this up. Yeah, you know. But it went smoothly. Everything was fine. It was great. Everyone at the times lights came on. Yeah, brilliant. Put you in a room with mm -hmm. 150 people who yeah. are all staring at you, and they expect you to be funny. Yeah, and it is the most terrifying thing <laughs> in the universe. Um, and I've proposed, so um, <laughs> you know that's it's up there. It's it's just well, I want to do a mind-bogglingly terrifying. You forget I everything. Imagine, yeah. I plan to do a, a live version of this show um, sometime quite soon, and so I'll have to have, be, go through that experience. But also, one of the other, the Monkey Tennis podcast, we did a live show at the Prince Charles Cinema, and luckily I was, I'm only producing, but those four guys up there exposed in front of a sold-out yeah, crowd. That's the word. Hard, it's hard. That is the word, it's exposed. You, yeah. you, you are the only piece of content that they are now interested in exactly. for whatever long you're on the stage for. Yeah, you can't um, edit yourself, you're, you're there. If you make a mistake, again, you're making live. a mistake to your audience, yeah. and they will judge and they you. they can see you and <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I got some laughs, you know, I did get some okay. laughs. It didn't go great. Do you have an example of the kind of thing you kind of... Well, I was really lucky because I, we, uh, I, uh, my show was on the 4th of uh, May. So yep. may the 4th be with you. Oh, perfect. So I made some Star Wars jokes. Okay. And I did my Chewbacca impression. Nice. Which now I've got a sore throat, probably won't work. Yeah, I'll okay. try. Okay, go for um, it. <coughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so I did a bit of Chewbacca and Star Wars jokes and I, and I okay. found some bits and pieces that were... I've got a Star Wars joke. Sorry, sorry. Go on. Um, I'll, 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 I'll come, I'll, okay, I'll come I'll back to it. I'll yeah, keep yeah. going. You then jump in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I got some. I got some giggles and, yeah. and whatnot. And um, I was basically my my thing was based on the fact that as adults we overcomplicate everything. Yeah. We, we take. I've got my joke. So go. So because you know I did this Star Wars geek in July um, called Cantina. Yep. Um, so one of the things I was going to say on stage, which I didn't, was because um, people were in costume all around Star Wars costumes and stuff. And I was going to say. Um, I'm really sorry to inform everyone uh, that the guy dressed as Yoda got his wallet stolen. He would stoop so low. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's good, yeah, thanks. I like that. That's thanks. good. And a Star Wars crowd as well. Yeah, exactly. That's nice. I like we it. We went down well. Exactly. So, uh, so I was, <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, it's fine. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I did a few jokes uh, and I was trying to sort of prove that the adults, we, we lose the, the innocence of childhood yeah, and whatnot. And you grow up your heart um, dies. And it, was, and it wasn't too far from Easter. We just had Easter weekend, so I'd bought some Easter eggs and kept them. Nice. Um, and I challenged some of the audience members to uh, basically unwrap an Easter egg and wrap it back up again. <laughs> but the point is, having props really helps. And I, that could, is great. I didn't realise how much that was going to help me because yeah. having some props meant they always suspected I'd done something dodgy to the Easter <laughs> eggs. Um, and, and there was nothing dodgy I'd done to them. I was yeah. just seeing if any of them would actually work out. If you smash it up, it's easy to wrap up again. Oh, One of them did. That's a good plan, yeah. As a child, the first thing you do with an Easter egg, smash it on the floor. You smash it, yeah. yeah? See what's As an inside. adult, you break it nicely, you yeah. take a bit off, and then you try and wrap it up, and it never quite meets the it foil at the end. anymore, yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of went on to do a little bit of that. So it's kind of storytelling-ish in a way. Yeah. And it was all right. It was mm -hmm. okay. It wasn't, you know, we're going to win awards and such, but and I got a few chuckles. But I learned a lot about how to do it and how not to do it. Yeah. So I fancy giving it another go. Oh, and being, uh, I will come. And, and watching, <laughs> I'm watching uh, like as much comedy as I do on Netflix. Yeah. You kind of get, 
not ideas, not like ideas to steal, but mm-hmm. you kind of understand how they go about doing it. Yeah. And there's so much practice that goes into it. It's, it's yeah. phenomenal. It's just... Yeah. And, I mean, ha- and I have so much respect for like stand-up comedians now having tried to do it. I've written some stuff for, for a friend who, who's a stand-up comedian, or tried to be a stand-up comedian, and I, I wrote some stuff for him, uh, just so it's not only just from his point of view. Because, I mean, it, it's great if you have your own material, but sometimes you just need a little bit of help. So I helped him out a little bit, and yeah. um, it's just really hard. Because you, what makes you laugh may not necessarily exactly. make the people in the room at that specific point laugh. Yeah, and, that, and um, that's, that's also the thing as well. Like, what you write down as being funny in yeah. your head at that time... Might not be funny to you on that night. Yeah. Might not be funny to the those people in that audience on that night. Mm-hmm. And also, the, you know, like what the world that we live in, we're connected to everything that happens. Yeah. You only got to have something awful happen like <laughs> hours before you do a show, and suddenly you think I've got to change something here because that's really inappropriate. Yes. Now. Yes. Um, and and you can kind of understand like there's some of them that react to things. Um, Jeff, yeah. uh, uh, not Jeff. Oh, Jeffries. Um, uh, Jim Jeffries. Yeah, Jim Jeffries. Yeah. You know, who does a lot of observational stuff and a lot of political stuff yes, as well. Yeah. His, his new one, Freedom, is okay. brilliant. N- another side pick there, yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry. I don't know, it's cool, yeah. Freebie. As many um, side picks as you want. Oh, in that case then. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear bad things about Amy Schumer's one. I've not seen it yet, not the yeah, new one. It's, it's been slated. Really? Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I like, what I quite like about Netflix as well is that they have tried to really promote some of the female comedians. Oh yeah, of course. And some yeah, of them yeah. are really good. Yeah. Some I'm less of a fan of, just mm-hmm. personally. It's just not necessarily my sort of taste. Yeah. Um, but some are really good. I'm just trying to find some of the ones I've I've watched. The one, uh, well, I can't remember her first name. Chow is her, her surname. Uh, yes, because uh, she's pregnant, isn't she? Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, what's her name? Uh, you guys know what we're talking about. Yeah. But that one's great. That one is great. Jen Kirkman. She's really Jen good. She's great. Really yeah. Uh, she's I've seen hers recently, and Eliza. Uh, sh- 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 oh, the girl a, from... Um, she's got not Schlersinger. It's not like a... Nicole Schlersinger. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of Eliza. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, um, yeah. She's really good. She as is, well. yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, because recently Catherine Ryan is an uh, American comedian. Yes. Who's in quite a lot of work at TV at the moment yep. in the UK. I like her on telly, yeah. but I don't like her stand-up. Well, I've heard from Just, people that, has, that they've really, really loved her stand-up. Um, but I, I don't really know a lot about her. But she, she, she seems like she'll be funny. So I'll, I'll take I'll take a word for it. Yeah, you got to give you got to give it a go. These give are the things chance, like that. Yeah. You've got to give them a try. But um, actually, you said, you said about writing as well. Yeah. Um, Jim Gaffigan's wife helps him write the stories nice, and the nice. jokes because um, he does a lot of sort of stuff about how he goes. It's just so hard, you know, being a dad of five. You're trying to have a nap and they're all crying <laughs> and screaming and the wife's running around like a lunatic. You think I'm just trying to get some sleep here, you know, in a casual twelve hour nap. In come on, give me a break. <laughs> And it's nice because obviously where they write together as a couple, yeah, uh, you know that he does it all with jest, yeah, know, and it's not about digging anyone out. And the only person he really takes the Mickey out of is himself. Yeah, of course. Which is which is brilliant. I mean, that's what comedy, like the good stand-up comedy, is. It's like self-deprecation because you don't to stop the audience from um, like hating you. You've got to like be, do a little hate oh, towards see, yourself. This, yeah, this you got to make fun of yourself. See, this is one of the things I have already um, come to the conclusion of. Yeah, when, when I do my next stand-up show, which I haven't got a date for yet. Yeah. But, but um, your name's Jelly. You can, I know. It was so easy. But I, I already have the the one little bit of material that I can play. So okay. if you hate me for anything, yeah. right? Don't hate me for anything I've done tonight. Okay. Hate me for one of my previous jobs, which is making on hold music. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So I used to produce, not necessarily the music itself, but I used to work with the music and voice artists and okay. record those. Thank you for calling. Oh, Christ. Your call is important to us. You're the An devil. agent <laughs> will be with you shortly. <laughs> You're Satan. Yeah. I actually made those for two years. Um, and I did wow. actually do some for some quite big companies who okay. many people have heard of, but I won't name them for now. Okay. Um, so if... if yeah, so that one of my little things is if if anything I say tonight makes you feel like you you've got dodgy thoughts that you think oh no, I don't like this guy, yeah. don't like me for the jokes, just do, you know don't like me for the fact I used to make on hold music. <laughs> so you can sometimes be sat in an on hold queue waiting for, to pay your gas bill or complain <laughs> about your TV contract, uh, and it's it's me and nice. my annoying audio creativity <laughs> that's um, repeating every thirty seconds to you. Well, I, well, there are a lot of the Rob Jelly fans out there, so I'm sure they'll they appreciate you in, <laughs> See, in any form. Well, this is the thing. You say this, I've, I've seen an advert recently on telly about um, for Yorkshire Tea. Okay. And they had the Kaiser Chiefs live, right? So okay. the long and short of it is this, the picture pans out, the Yorkshire Tea offices are there, the phone yeah. rings, the receptionist mm-hmm. picks up, hello, Yorkshire Tea. <laughs> and yeah, okay, you want to have a word with the farmer? Okay, please hold. And she takes the handset and she just literally le- reaches out to the <laughs> side of her, holds the handset out, and the Kaiser Chiefs are stood there with their instruments <laughs> and they start playing live down the phone. That's quite good. And just as they get to the... Um, the lyrics at the start of the song, she goes, thanks for holding. And she pulls it back in and you can see Ricky Wilson standing there. He's like, come on. Uh, And it's brilliant. And I I think on hold is having worked in it. You can do such a good job with on hold. Yeah. I mean, that would make a great sitcom as well. Someone who makes them like hold music. Um, yeah, we'll think about that. That's um, an idea for another day. Off podcast, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, well, thanks. That's, and that's, do you have anything left to say about Jim Gaffigan? I think we went on for it. Yeah, I think, I think Jim's definitely got a decent plug on this podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I think he's, he's, he's a great guy. He's, he's funny, um, but in a silly, in a silly way. And yeah. I think it kind of reflects me and my silliness. And what, which particular one would you say people should listen to and um, watch? Watch, if, I mean, if you want... In order. Um, yeah, watch Cinco, his latest one. Okay. Because obviously it does touch on some... Uh, Recent Yeah, not, stuff, not right. even necessarily in a serious way, but he just touches on sort of stuff that's modern day. Yeah. Um, and his other one's 12 years old. So mm-hmm. some of the sort of date references and a bit out of sync. So yeah, yeah, watch yeah. Cinco. If you like Cinco, then go back and watch the first one. Yeah. Um, and then work your way back through because then it kind of follows the story of his life. Yeah. Now yeah. unfolding, so... Well, that is uh, great. And that's your your final pick. Thanks very much uh, for that. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. Um, you uh been one of my favourite guests so far because you're Mr. Rob Jelly and uh, oh, it's always really it's always fun it. having you around. Imagine imagine a time when me and Rob were on the same radio station so people could listen to Rob and then wait a few days and then I'd be on. Because <laughs> we were never... Blown. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks very much for coming on um, and you've done some great choices. If people want to get in touch with you, post this... Um, how would they get in touch? Number one, listen to Rob's show. Obviously. Yeah. Standard procedure. What's it? What's the actual name of the show? Uh, it's called The Early Wobble. The Early Wobble, that's right. When you're called Jelly, why would you not? <laughs> and uh, how can they uh, contact you on social networks and stuff? Um, I'm at The Jelly Man on Twitter. That's pretty much the number one way of, of uh, getting involved. It's enough. I don't talk politics. I don't talk no. agenda. Mm-hmm. It's all silliness. It's all laughter. It's all love and bananas. Exactly. Um, I do tweet about bananas every now and then. You do? <laughs> every now and then. Um, so at the Jelly Man. So it's T H E E. Jellyman. Because someone else has got the Jellyman. Wow. And I tried getting it off them. I've even asked asked Twitter, it's like, can I can I not do like a little swap season? Nothing. Do they use their account? 
No. Oh, that's, what? A really, that's what annoys me. I'm like, oh, you don't even use your account, man. Okay, Come on. you should try Put again. a picture of a cat as well <laughs> as a profile picture. So unless it's an evil cat that's trying to, you know, smite me. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm the with two E's. Okay, so. great. Um, and also you, um, the podcast that you've, uh, it's been a little bit of a hiatus at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, same, my mate Brian, who we do it with, uh, it's a single dad of two. Uh, two little boys, so one of them just started school. So okay. with me getting up at two forty-five and him having two boys to deal yeah. with, just trying trying to find some time. But uh, we came, we saw, we podcasted. We'll be back soon. Yeah, and it's one of my uh, favorite podcasts that I've listened to in the last couple of years. It's just madcap craziness, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and listen to that. If you want to know a little bit more about Rob, listen to that because that's basically um, before you joined the BBC. And during and one, when so, I joined it, yeah, yeah, that yeah. episode was great because you led up to it. You're like, in, the, in next week's episode, I'll announce my special news, and I was like, I wonder what this six is. Weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> a few series on iTunes. You can look it up on iTunes. There's a couple of uh, two or three series on there now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for, for coming hey, on. For um, and if you want to check check out me, what I'm up to, you can uh, go to postpoprecords.com or postpoppodcast.com, and you can see all the other crazy podcasts I'm involved with. Um, you can also uh, find me. On Twitter, at Jed Shepard, J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. And I'm pretty much on that on, on most social network, networks besides Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. Um, yeah. Oh, on and when the day this is released, which is Friday, there will be a record coming out by a band called Creeper. And um, it's called Eternity in Your Arms. And do check it out. It's tipped for, for big things. And I did their purple tapes, limited to 666 tapes. Um, so you can only get them if you turn up to their in-stores in HMV have you ever accidentally made too many? Uh, yeah all, all the time I mean I think the official, the official line is 666 but I'm sure there's a few more banging around uh, but don't quote me on that guys <laughs> um, and yeah and that's it uh, please subscribe rate and review on iTunes and talk to us on Twitter and uh, we'll see you next week well you won't see them next week but I will I'll say cheers for your ears <laughs> yeah cheers Rob 